there was this point in my last birth, the last baby I gave birth to, where I just was struggling really on all different kinds of levels because I had had a loss before this pregnancy and was so worried about something being wrong with this baby. I had not had any testing, not had any ultrasounds during the whole length of the pregnancy because of this terrible anxiety and fear I had that something would be wrong because there had been something wrong in the previous pregnancy and it had been uh, found out as a result of the tests and ultrasounds. So it just came to this point where it's like time to push this baby out. And it I just wasn't pushing with fervor. I wasn't pushing with the kind of passion and energy with which you have to push to get that baby out. And I was wrestling on the inside of my mind because there was a part of me that just was terrified uh, to meet the baby in case something was wrong and I wouldn't be able to love the baby and nurse the baby and do all the things that I had wanted to do with the previous baby. And I could just feel this sort of internal thing happening. I mean, they were talking about seconds. It was going by so quickly. It wasn't like I was sitting there actually meditating on these things. It was just happening really quickly. And I said to myself, you got to get serious about pushing this baby out. You just got to. And when I kind of pep talked myself, coached myself into that, and just really got behind it completely. Well, she was born about a minute or so after that. We have to get behind the desires of our hearts if we want to give birth to anything in this life. Welcome to the only podcast that will bring you more alive while you smash the patriarchy. Join me, Sam Wilde, aka The Fertile Feminist, every week as we shift the paradigm, reclaim our native fertility, and create together the version of ourselves that brings forth our heart's desires and changes the world. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy that we are together again, that we have this opportunity to hang out with each other. I'm really delighted that you are tuning in and listening and do me a favor. If you don't mind, give this podcast a review. Five stars, right? (laughs) And while you're at it, share me with somebody. Share the Fertile Feminist with somebody. That would really just be a wonderful thing to do. So I hope I'm giving you something to think about and chew on. There's a lot of meat potatoes in this episode. And as we dive in here, I am going to share with you thoughts I've had, ideas, concepts, projects, practices that relate to fertility. And a little bit of a reminder, a little public service announcement here on the Fertile Feminist. When I'm talking about fertility, I am not just talking about the babies that you have. That is a very modern concept, a very medicalized concept, a very patriarchal concept of what fertility is. Fertility, of course, is creation itself, creation, life, energy, zest, lushness, abundance. It's that inside of us, which really, truly is alive. And you know what? That's the kind of life that I want. You know, that joie de vivre, roll out of bed like the two-year-old, and she's just up and with the world (laughs) right away and into it. I don't know about you, but most of the people I meet are wanting to have a slice of that kind of living alive sort of life. And, you know, what gets us there? I'm thinking about that birth story that I started this episode with. I have a lot of birth stories, and I love my birth stories. 
But that one in particular, you know, having that moment where I was meeting head on, you have to meet head on, like you're giving birth to a baby, okay? There's nothing else you can do. That baby has to come out. So you have to meet your fears about that child, about the future, about giving birth, about having the baby outside of you, whatever the fears and anxieties might be. You literally have to meet it head on in one way or another because there's no escaping. <laughs> you cannot rewind. You cannot reverse. You have to bring that baby through. And the process of giving birth, whether we're giving birth to a baby or we're giving birth to a business, requires something tremendous from us. It requires that we actually get behind our heart's desires. Seems kind of obvious, doesn't it, that we have to be the force behind and get behind our heart's desires. And yet the case is, for most of us, so much of the time, that we are not behind our heart's desires. We may be ambivalent, we may be in judgment, we may be uncertain, we may be confused, all of these kinds of things come up. I can tell you that in my own experience as somebody who wanted to have a lot of children, and from the time I was really young, wanted to have a lot of children, and I live in Massachusetts, and I live in a cultural moment in where I am, where that's not cool, that's not cool to have a lot of children. And there are a lot of reasons it's not cool. We could list them all off. I did a lot of research, by the by, about population control and so on and so forth. And I wanted to be educated. I wanted to understand things. And I wanted to be smart. And I wanted to be rational. I'd, I'd had myself gone to, had a lot of schooling. Uh, and I wasn't just going to go do a lot of schooling, just become a mother, right? Because what's a mother? Not very much, not in our cultural moment. So I had all the internal judgment to reflect the external judgment. So all the things that came up inside of me is I was like, I would love to have a big family. I'd love to have a lot of children. I enjoy them. It's such a delight to me. It's so deep inside of me. It's carved into the space of my heart. Now, you're not going to be like that necessarily. I mean, I know there are like six of us who feel this way, but it really doesn't matter the content that I'm talking about. There's something for you that's like that, that's carved into your heart. And those kinds of heart's desires aren't usually a walk in a park to get to. We're not usually tripping through the daisies. Often all kinds of things arise. And one of the biggest things is, is how much it takes and requires from us, how much courage it requires from us to truly get behind them. To sit in that place as I did when I was giving birth to my last baby, really, really having to meet the anxiety and fear and do it anyway. Now, in my own experience, even though from the time I was very little, I wanted to have a big family, I ended up marrying somebody who believed that two was the right number of children, and anything other than that, any more than that, was a sort of disgusting quantity, like really a grotesque inability to have self-control. I mean, very extravagant judgments were put on this desire. Now, what do you think about a person who has forever and ever and ever wanted to have a big family, who goes to the trouble to marry somebody who thinks having a big family is a steaming pot of tacky, trashy patheticness, right? <laughs> what do we make of that? The kind of judgments that stir up inside of us around our heart's desires can be very small to, in my case, very, very large. 
But my experience is very few people have strong hard desires carved inside of them that don't also have these internal struggles. So whatever the thing is that we want to accomplish, we want to give uh, to the world, we want to bring into the world, we want to give birth to, it's going to require from us meeting it head on, facing all our anxieties, and doing what a woman does in labor, which is to work. And not just to work, but to simultaneously work and surrender. There aren't that many places in our lives that require us to cultivate those two seemingly oppositional qualities, to be both actively laboring and actively surrendering, to allow something to come through you, even as you're bearing down and pushing it through you. I mean, I've had five births and I did one uh, hypnobirthing class and that birth I had was very lovely. The baby I gave birth to with that hypnobirthing. And the idea is that you just kind of melt yourself like butter, you know, let every single part of you relax so that your body can do what it does and that baby can come through you. But even in that scenario, there was work. In the first place to study hypnobirthing, you know, you're studying it for months and months, going to classes and listening to tapes and trying to retrain your mind. That itself is a kind of work. This is a wonderful way of moving ourselves forward in living the lives we want to live, to begin to hold, the, again, the seeming opposites of surrender and work side by side with one another. Let's think then about step one, which is to get behind our own heart's desires, to truly support them, to genuinely believe in them, to make space and make room for them, to clean out a room as if you would clean out a room in your house and let those heart's desires come and live there. The deep heart desires that so many of us have are often put on the back burner or they're seen to be in unessential, unnecessary, and they get a lot of a sense of being pushed to the side, particularly if they're big goals or if they aren't what we've been doing. In fact, somebody was talking to me the other day saying, well, I can't do that thing because other people don't do that thing. So that's a really good example of the kind of judgment that rises up inside of us when we're dealing with our heart's desires. And then we ask ourselves, why am I not able to create this? Why am I not having this dream come true in my life? Why can't I bring this heart's desire into fruition? And generally it's because we're still struggling that place of like, I'm not behind it. I'm not behind it because I am standing separate from it with criticism and with judgment. In order to get behind, we must absolutely clear the way and allow the space to rise inside of us for that thing, that dream that we have to simply be and to be held and to be significant 
and to be loved and wanted and to be essential, whether it is happening or does happen or not, is actually kind of inconsequential. The very first thing, before we even get, get to anyway pushing that dream out into the world, is to let it be and to let it be good. When I think about my journey in terms of being in that marriage that I described for you and wanting to have a large family and coming up against the externalized version of judgment, which obviously I had inside of me, what I needed to reckon with was being able to love my heart's desire, even if nobody else did. And what happens a lot in our culture is that we have a heart's desire and we could take it around from person to person so that other people could love it, so that other people could validate it, so other people could legitimize it, so other people could say, yes, that makes sense, or that's logical, or you could do that, or whatever would make it uh, get that confirmation, an external confirmation. When the actual key is that things start changing the moment we give it our internal confirmation. So you have this heart's desire to quit your job and start a business, as an example, because that's a very, that's a good one, and it happens quite frequently. And no progress is made. We do not get to that moment of birth until we find that we can expand our heart and our arms and really hold that longing with complete spaciousness. So you want to quit your job and you want to start a business. And then you just sit with that. Okay, that that's beautiful. That's a beautiful longing. That's a beautiful desire. That's a worthy, legitimate, honest, uh, useful, interesting desire. Perhaps some people might have heart's desires that are awful or terrible, but I'm not talking about those right now. I'm talking about our heart's desires that are good, sometimes big. And, and I think we get really confused in our culture of sort of manifestation and making things happen with a heart's desire and just a longing, right? I, I long to have a lot of money or I long to have a car or whatever. We have lots of longings. Like I long to eat a lot of cake, but I'm talking about these deep heart's desires that are propelling us forward, that just sort of sit on us, right? They sit on us and sit on us, sit on us until we actually give them some attention, and and then from there we can bring them into the world. So so first here we are with the heart's desires. Get behind it, even if nobody else gets behind it. Now on to step two, when we're handling and um, being impregnant with our heart's desires. The first thing is we stand uh, out outside. We stand without judgment. We stand in solidarity with our own desires. And then the second step, which is the surrender piece, is that we begin to cultivate the awareness that the heart's desire is something happening to us and coming through us. So whereas we have in the patriarchal capitalist culture, the whole me culture, everything is me and mine and my creation. I've done it, created it, made it. Uh, sell it. I put my face on it. It's a selfie. I got my logo on. I got my trademark stamp. You know, there's that kind of fixation. I'm gonna sue you if you take it. We have the surrender piece when we're working with the heart's desire, which we recognize, in which we recognize, okay, this is not just simply 
something I am creating. This is something that's coming through me. And that brings us into a space of softening, right? It's not just you pushing a gigantic boulder up a hill. It's coming through you in the same way that a baby does, which is why it's such a very handy metaphor, right? The baby comes through you. It doesn't stay there with you. You only got nine months. It comes for its own sake. It comes to be part of the world. It comes to improve the world. I mean, a child comes into the world for themselves. We might think as parents that they're coming into the world for us, but quite honestly, it's not so. They're here and they're here for themselves, as the beautiful poet Khalil Gibran wrote so wonderfully about children. So when we soften, then we understand the component of birthing our heart's desires that is surrender. We start to know that we are not the only creator in this dynamic, but we are the channel for creation itself. That's a really cool idea, isn't it? And then the third piece of that, which is, as I talked about, those two seeming opposites to be laboring and to be surrendering, is to labor, is to work. Now, this one everybody knows because they're more familiar with because people are constantly working and thinking and trying and figuring out and doing the best that they possibly can do to make yada, yada, yada happen. And the part about laboring is that it's a very purposeful, consecrated act. A lot of what I do during my day is not purposeful or consecrated. It is truly that kind of laboring that's exhausting. It's depleting. It's going in seven different directions. You cannot give birth to a baby that way. And if you are trying to labor that way, you get exhausted, depleted, and you end up having other things happen because you just cannot get that baby out. Because in order to push a baby out, we need a conscious, purposeful, single-minded, focused attention, right? The only thing that's happening when you are pushing a baby out is that you are pushing a baby out. You are not also watching TV and scrolling the internet and writing an email and cooking the dinner and folding the laundry and having a meeting and on Zillow. Like those things are not all happening. There's only one thing happening. Our heart's desires are no different than that. And they get propelled and move forward most quickly when the work that we're doing about them and for them is single-minded attention and consecrated effort in that one direction. Now, that doesn't mean that you're only going in that one direction every second of every day, but in the time that you're working and laboring on that heart's desire, that's all that there is. Think about that. In those moments, that's all that there is. Give it to Give yourself to it as if you would give yourself to a lover. Give yourself to that heart's desire. And that can be hard when it hasn't happened yet. You know, we're longing to create that business, for example, but we're still over here at this job. And how do we how do we do that? Well, in the times we imagine it, for example, in the five minutes a day we imagine it, or in the hour a day that we're writing our business plan, we're going to give ourselves to it just luxuriate in it and feel that there is nothing else. These things matter whether our heart's desire comes to fruition or not. And that's because when we do these things, when we get behind with ferocity, with passion, with energy, our heart's desire, when we surrender to it and believe that it's something coming through it, 
through us. When we labor for it, work for it, give it that devoted attention, we change. We actually change and we become then people who are making ourselves. And that's a critical and significant difference between the feminist mindset about fertility and creation and the patriarchal or capitalist mindset. In our capitalist patriarchal mindset, all we care about is product, right? All we care about is that we have this dream and it comes into being. When we take the feminist mindset, when we take the fertile mindset, we're saying, you know what? In the act of laboring and bringing energy to bear on this project, I will give birth to something. And it may just be a better, clearer version of myself. It may not actually be this heart's desire in the end, or maybe in another 10 years, it'll be this heart's desire. But that is not the most significant thing. And this is much more sophisticated and nuanced than the idea of like the joy is in the journey. Because it's not joy that we're after. And it's not just like, hey, you know, enjoy it while it's happening, delight in it while it's happening and and live your life every day. There's something wonderful about it. It's actually deeper and more critical. And by that, I mean more significant than that. It's that we change. We literally change as people. You take your heart's desire seriously and you will change. You begin to believe that it's something coming through you for the world and not just happening to you. And you will begin to change. You begin to give it that single-minded attention as you would give to someone you just totally adored. And you will begin to change. We are given these heart's desires so that we will become the fruit of them. And that's a very powerful thing. I love the metaphor of birth. I don't know whether you like it or whether it was helpful for you to think about these things this way. But in my work as metaphysical midwife, this is the way to think about how we conceive of a dream, desire, a longing, how we allow ourselves to become filled with it, absolutely filled with it, and then how we do that really hard work of bringing it into the world. Well, I think those are really interesting concepts, and you tell me how it sits with you. Send me an email. Send me a message on Facebook. Find me on Instagram at The Fertile Feminist, and let me know if this doesn't help you get into that more fertile, juicy, life-giving aspect of your consciousness to bring forward and give birth to a more fertile version of yourself. This is me, Sam Wild, aka The Fertile Feminist, and you've been listening to The Fertile Feminist Podcast. Find me on YouTube at The Samantha Wild aka The Fertile Feminist, and hit the website, thesamanthawild.com, for all kinds of resources, inspirations, and ideas. Also on Instagram, at The Fertile Feminist. Until next week, may you tap into that native abundance, creativity, fruitfulness, and life force that's going to help us all bring about that more beautiful world that we know is possible.